from deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a special. No, this is an extra special edition of the show. The first half of it will deal with some rather disturbing news of the Olympic movement. Michigan State University is going to pay $500 million to victims of Dr. In quote, Larry Nasser's sexual abuse. It's believed to be the largest settlement ever in a sexual misconduct case involving a university. Attorneys representing 332 claimants reached the agreement with representatives from Michigan State during a mediation meeting this week. The university's board of trustees agreed to the deal in principle, interesting word to use, the settlement did not include provisions about policy or acknowledge the claims made against Michigan State. Take the money! Michigan State's agreement stipulates that $425 million will be distributed to claimants who are currently part of the lawsuits. An allocator will determine how much each person will receive, but they didn't tell you about that job in high school counseling. The remaining $75 million will be held in reserve for two years in the event that others come forward and make claims about Nasser's abuse. The settlement did not require any of the claimants to sign non-disclosure agreements, so it wasn't negotiated by Fox attorneys. I'm very happy that we're done with litigation, said former gymnast Rachel Den Hollander, the first woman to publicly accuse Nasser of sexual abuse more than 18 months ago. As part of a plea deal, Nasser was sentenced to up to 175 years in state prison for criminal sexual conduct. More than 200 people provided victim impact statements at his sentencing hearings in January. He's currently serving a 60-year federal prison sentence. He pled guilty to child pornography charges. But the lawsuits claim that Nasser sexually abused his patients, many of them young female athletes, for more than two decades. They said that other defendants had opportunities to put an end to Nasser's abuse and failed to do so. They argued that those organizations were accountable for allowing the former doctor to prey on young women for as long as he did. Other named defendants were USA Gymnastics, the U.S. Olympic Committee, a local gym where Nasser sought patients on a weekly basis, and specific individuals at some of these institutions. These parties have not yet reached a settlement agreement. Michigan Attorney General's office said it will continue its ongoing investigation into whether anyone else at Michigan State committed any crimes while dealing with Nasser. We're not done, said the attorney who represents dozens of Nasser's survivors. He says there are no dates scheduled for future negotiations with those other defendants. The lawsuits claim that several women raised concerns about Nasser by talking to other Michigan State employees as early as 1997 and that those employees did not properly report the claims. For example, former gymnastics coach Kathy Clegges retired shortly after she was suspended by the athletic department in February of last year. She was accused of discouraging former youth gymnast Larissa Boyce from filing an official report about Nasser's behavior 20 years earlier. The university has started the process of firing William Strample, a tenured professor and former dean of the medical school. Who do they think they are? USC? As Nasser's former boss, Strample allowed the now-disgraced doctor to return to seeing patients, 
while he remained under police investigation for a 2014 claim that eventually resulted in no charges. Strample was himself charged with sexual misconduct and several other crimes earlier this year. USA Gymnastics just part of the Olympic movement. It is a movement. And we all need one. Every day. Today, we're going to discuss part of that movement in some depth with uh, a journalist who's taken, pun not intended, a deep dive into uh, part of the Olympic movement known as USA Swimming. He's an investigative reporter for the Orange County Register in California, Scott Reed. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. The headline of your story, which the story appeared in early February in the register, and it's taken us a while to get you on this program, um, was a shocking one uh, on the face of it that hundreds of swimmers in the USA Swimming program, which of course leads to the Olympics, among other things, have been sexually abused over a period of many years. Um, how did you get into this story? But what what sparked your interest, or what what called your attention to it? Well, there was a few local coaches in, in Orange County. Orange County, is, as you know, has been a big hotbed of uh, international swimming for for decades. And there was a few coaches in, in our area that who were involved with uh, underage swimmers. And uh, once he started pulling on the string, and just you know kept unraveling, unraveling, and went all the way to the top of uh, USA Swimming, which is the national governing body. And you found this guy, Chuck Wilgus, is that how he pronounces his name? Wilgus, yeah, Wilgus. Chuck Wilgus. Who says uh, in a blog post that uh, is printed in your story, I wish my eyes had been more open to the individual stories of the horrors of sexual abuse. Uh, and he's been there, or he ha- he'd been there for a couple of decades before he passed away. Uh, what was What were his eyes not open to? Well, they 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 were open, and 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 people continually confronted him with, with these cases, and he just didn't want to see it because he was more worried about protecting the brand of USA Swimming and, and his corporate sponsors than doing the right thing by these young swimmers. So you have uh, at least eleven cases, either Wilgus or other top USA Swimming officials declined to pursue sexual abuse cases against high-profile coaches, even when presented with direct complaints. Well, um, right. You are uh, basing this on a, a trove of documents. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, what they are and how you got to them. Well, we have um, – there's uh, thousands and thousands of pages. There are uh, deposition transcripts, emails, memos, um, letters. Uh, there's correspondence between George Miller, who was a, a, at the time was a congressman from the Northern California, mm-hmm. and James Comey, who was then the director of the FBI, about this issue. And uh, it, it repeatedly, Weiglas is, is it, it shows that Weiglas was uh, confronted with uh, sexual abuse, and he ignored it. There's cases going back almost from the beginning of his tenure in 1997 uh, until, until the bitter end when he passed away last year, that he repeatedly just uh, would not pursue these cases. James Comey, when he was director of the FBI, so the FBI was involved in, in investigating some of these cases? 
Right. In 2014, George Miller, a U.S. representative from, from Northern California, wrote Comey and, and asked him to investigate USA Swimming, which uh, which the FBI did. The, what, what they found, we're not really sure. We haven't seen any evidence of, of what they found, but but they definitely uh, looked into um, to this to this issue. And and were you able to FOIA out uh, what the FBI had found, or, or was that uh, beyond the scope of what you were doing? We so far we've not been able to, to, to obtain any documents that shows what their findings were, other than the fact that they were pursuing um, a, a, a few leads. Uh, some numbers that appear in your story uh, that are kind of eye popping in the twenty years that uh, Walgus was uh, in charge of USA Swimming. At least 252 swim coaches and officials have been arrested, charged by prosecutors, or disciplined for sexual abuse or misconduct against individuals under 18. These coaches and officials have a total of at least 590 alleged victims, some of them abused while attending preschool swim classes. Uh, now, I, I, that last phrase can be read two ways, classes that occur before school or on people who are too young to attend school, which is it? It's a, these are these are preschool, pre you know grade school children. Wow, young, young you know, young kids, very young kids. Low single digit ages, right? Yes, uh, pre you know first grade. USA Swimming board members and coaches acknowledged they were aware of statutory rape cases that occurred during national team trips to major international competitions. When was this? This is in the nineties. Under Walgus, right. were any of those cases taken to court? No, they were not pursued. They, they, um, the buck was just kind of passed. USA Swimming since 2010 has kept a list of more than 30 coaches and officials flagged by officials after being arrested or accused by law enforcement of sex crimes, including rape and child pornography, but not disciplined by USA Swimming. Who's on the board of USA Swimming? It's 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 a pretty incestuous board that kind of it's people that who who grew up and 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 moved up in the swim world uh, and and have kind of uh, it's a self perpetuating um, uh, situation and and there's not been a lot of turnover um, it's the same old people who've been there for you know for decades and um, and that's that's a big part of the problem. You have in your story this which, I mean the eyes the eyes. Can just keep popping for so long. USA Swimming has paid seventy-seven thousand six hundred twenty-seven dollars to lobbying firms to lobby against legislation in California that would have made it easier for sexual abuse victims to sue their abusers and the organizations they worked for. Uh, that legislation, I guess, did not pass. It did not. Well, it, it did pass, and then Governor Brown, uh, uh, under pressure from the Catholic Church, did not sign it. Really. Really, and, and the, the, other, the other one that jumps out and, 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 uh, along those lines with the you know the lobbying firms in California is right around the time that Miller was writing Comey, asking for Comey to uh, investigate USA Swimming. Uh, USA Swimming hired a Denver kind of crisis management firm, paid him one hundred thirty thirty two thousand dollars to uh, um, for crisis communication and and uh, reputation management. Well, we all couldn't use that, right? Right. Uh, and this was in what what period of time? This is 2014. This was right around the time that Miller was in, trying to enlist Comey into looking into USA Swimming. Uh huh. Now I think this story rings should ring a bell with people because we've just uh, in the, uh, around the time that the story was published, 
were witnessing the denouement of the uh, story of Larry Nasser, who was uh, involved in the uh, USA gymnastics team and uh, sexually assaulted more than 150 young athletes in his um, reign of near terror. Uh, that's That was a shocking figure dwarfed by what has gone on in USA Swimming, correct? Right, because for a long time, and, and at least I think even now, there's an element of some deniability, although it dwindles each day within USA Gymnastics, that they didn't know about Nasser. They should have known about Nasser, and, and they enabled Nasser by this culture they created. But in the case of USA Swimming, the top officials were repeatedly presented with cases of sexual abuse, and they did nothing. Now, you say this didn't start with Walgus, so there's history to this, yes? Right. It goes, it goes back decades and decades where it was commonplace for high-profile coaches to have a teenage girlfriend, or, or, uh, and it was, it, it was you know, known and, and kind of accepted. It was like a, like a perk. George, the aforementioned Congressman George Miller writes, and you quote him in your piece, as a result of my staff's investigation, it's become clear that child sexual abuse and sexual misconduct have plagued USA Swimming since its inception in 1980. So we didn't have, we had swimming, we had swimmers in the Olympics. What was the, USA Swimming was organized, aside from what we're learning now, to do what? Prior, prior to 80, it was part of the AAU, the Amateur Athletic Union, mm-hmm. um, with like with track and field and gymnastics. Mm-hmm. And then with the uh, um, Ted Stevens Amateur uh, Sports Act, they, they became, they, they created their own national governing bodies. So USA Gymnastics, USA Track, Swimming. And so swimming was, you know, it was just put together in Colorado Springs, this, this governing body to, to, to uh, organize the, the sport in the United States to pick Olympic teams and, and, and national teams and, and uh, you know, and to pursue this um, international glory. The Olympic dream. Right, right. The Olympic dream that, that you know, for way too many is, is, is the Olympic nightmare. But that that but that that dream, selling that dream, enabled a lot of this to go on because these athletes, in in many cases, thought, well, if I if I don't do what this guy wants to tell me, he's not going to take me to the Olympics. That's the a major dynamic in a lot of this abuse, both in gymnastics and swimming. That the hold these guys have on these athletes and that dream uh, helps helps facilitate this abuse. You you quote one athlete uh, about a coach, Norm Havercroft, 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 yes. Havercroft, who said uh, she says Norm was always telling my mom and I, I will give you the recipe to make it to the Olympics. All you have to do is follow it. And that recipe included. Uh, it included uh, uh, sexually abusing her at, at, in her in her mid teens. Uh, uh, Convincing her to buy uh, a camera so she, she they could so he could uh, uh, she could video stream her showers. At one point, she had a nightmare uh, about a dog collar. So for Christmas, he bought her a dog collar and a leash and made her swim, you uh, know, do a swim workout while he was pulling her on the leash on, on the pool deck. Um, yet this guy, uh, there's been repeated. Uh, a request to USA Gymnastics to ban this guy, and he's never been banned. Has he ever been sanctioned in any way? 
He's been never been sanctioned anyway. He reached an out-of-court settlement with, the, with Jancy Thompson. And, and the thing about this really disturbing about Havercroft is so Havercroft abused this, this, at a disgusting level Jancy Thompson for several years. But several years before that, USA Swimming officials were well aware that uh, Havercroft was abusing, sexually abusing other girls in the San Jose area, and they did nothing about it. In fact, Havercroft's abuse of a young swimmer uh, in San Jose came up at a, a meeting. USA Swimming had their own uh, offshore uh, insurance company. And uh, during, uh, during one of those meetings, the Havercroft's uh, abuse of this prior, uh, prior situation with a swimmer came up. And, and, and again, nothing was done, and, um, and, and nothing still has been done. It's, it, if, if Norm Havercroft can't be sanctioned by USA Swimming, I don't know, you know what, what, what it takes to, to, you know, to ban somebody. Um, I've, I've read most of your piece. It's, it's, an, it's an exhaustive uh, piece. Uh, is it the longest piece ever to appear in the Orange County Register? Do you know? I believe so, yes. <laughs> it's, I, I should think so. Um, as far as I've read, and I've read, as I say, most of it, I have not seen any reference to the male swimming program. There, I mean, there there has been sexual abuse uh, of of male swimmers. Uh, there's been a a, a couple of recent uh, cases where, where uh, coaches have been banned uh, for, for uh, abusing uh, male swimmers. Um, a lot of these young uh, young children cases are are, are male swimmers. Um, mm. It's um, it, it, you know, it's not just. Uh, um, it's not just young girls; it's, it's 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 young boys as well. But these coaches have been banned, uh, which contrasts with Havercroft's situation. So, w- what does it take to get banned uh, when you've got the case of Havercroft uh, as a as an example of what it takes not to get banned? That's a really good question. So, some of these recent bans have been people who've actually been arrested for for sexual uh, you know abuse. The Havercroft, he was he's never been arrested. Um, like I said, he he's had this um, out of court settlement. There's there's uh, thousands of pages of documentation of, of his abuse. Uh, there's sworn depositions. Uh, there's a, a police detective in, in San Jose who was uh, who uh, gave statements about prior uh, allegations. It, there's there's plenty there, um, but but Weigel's is uh, would, would always. Um, Say I'm not going to pursue rumors, or I'm not going to. Uh, we have to have a victim come forward. Well, in the, in the Havercroft case, you've had a victim come forward with armed with, like I said, thousands of pages of documents. Mm-hmm. And Susan Wozner, who at the time was the director of their quote safe sport program, refused to budge and, and, and lift a finger about Havercroft. What is the safe sport program? So, so the safe sport program is this. Uh, program they were kind of pushed and shoved into uh, to raise awareness of sexual abuse. It's a uh, the education element of it. There is there is the uh, the disciplinary part of it where you you banned or sanctioned coaches. Um, it, it, it was uh, it's it basically was lip service to, to the issue. They spend uh, I think about like the last figure I saw for 2016 was they spent three hundred forty five thousand dollars on safe sport. And uh, the, at the same time, they spend over a million dollars on something called the Golden Goggles Gala, which is like this, you know, uh, end of the year award show. You got to have an award show. 
You, you mentioned numbers. There, there are numbers in your piece as well about USA Swimming. $39 million in revenue in 2016, um, $3.7 million to corporate officers, trustees, and key employees, $4.9 million in employee compensation and benefits. Wildgus, I guess this was his last year heading USA Swimming, paid nearly a million dollars. It's a nonprofit, right? Right. All these, all of the national governing bodies in the Olympic, uh, as you like to say, the movement are, are, are nonprofits. So, um, if you're if you're paying those kinds of salaries, it's it, it makes sense because otherwise you'd have to do something else with the money, right? It wouldn't go to the there, there are no stockholders for it to go to. Well, like you could you, could, you know maybe you could put it in the safe sport. Um, just a thought. <laughs> yeah, just a thought. Uh, but that maybe it's uh, possible legal defenses. Um, this piece, as I say, came out in February. Uh, has USA Swimming had a public response? Yes, they've they've, they've put together a couple of task force uh, to to look into this issue. Um, the, the guy who replaced Wyglas is uh, trying to appear at least proactive. Um, I mean, the main the main thing that's driving this is that they're under investigation by Congress. There's a hearing uh, next uh, on May twenty third. Where uh, U.S. head of USA Swimming and, and these other national government bodies can appear before the Senate committee um, with Feinstein and Klobuchar and, and that crew, and, and uh, so they, I think, a lot of this is driven by that. So they can go to Capitol Hill and say, "Well, look, you know, we have this task force. We're looking at this. We're taking this very seriously. You know, we haven't done anything for 20 years, but now we're we're on top of it." Your piece suggests that one of the major impediments to doing anything about it is an organization called the American. Swimming Coaches Association. Tell us a little bit about right. That. And that's the problem. So that's basically the the it is the Swim Coaches Association, and and it's the most powerful thing in American swimming. It's run by a guy by the name of John Leonard, who always somehow seemed to find whenever there was a task force or some kind of committee looking at addressing sexual abuse in, in swimming, Leonard always found a way to get himself on that committee, and then he would just uh, you know jam up the gears. And there was an email we had at one point where he says, I hate this whole topic. But yet, yet he continued to force his way onto these, these committees and, and, and kind of gum up the works. And, and, and so he, he was a big part of Chuck Weigel's power base. And so uh, Weigel's was always careful not to offend, uh, you know, this, this, this uh, constituency. And uh, does, does USA... Coach, sorry, does the Swimming Coaches Association, uh, what's their financial relationship, if any, to USA Swimming? I don't think there really is one. It's just, you know, all the top coaches belong to this. Um, he, he, uh, Leonard's a, uh, uh, just a really influential guy. He's kind of the guy behind the scenes pulling the strings a lot of the time. And um, and like I said, a lot of these, these big-name coaches who, who – um, uh, our power brokers in the sport are, are also, you know, uh, at the kind of the, on the board of directors or presidents of, of, of this uh, of this swim Co- coaches association. And they've, I'll give you an example. Uh, a guy who's a longtime board member on uh, the American Swim Coaches Association is a guy named George Block, who's a business guy in, in, in uh, San Antonio. He was a mentor to a, a, a young swim coach by the name of Adam Dusenberry. So Adam Dusenberry was a coach at Mission Viejo. Had a sexual relationship with a young teenage swimmer that he was coaching. Uh, we reported it. He was banned. 
George Block hires Adam Dusenberry to work at an uh, economically challenged children's foundation that he uh, was connected with in San Antonio. So basically you have a guy who was banned from sport for being uh, having sexual misconduct with a young swimmer, and you turn around, you put him in a, a Texas nonprofit dealing with young children. And, and George Block is a longtime board member of, of the American Swim Coaches Association. So uh, these in- named individuals that you've talked about in your piece, uh, aside from the, the uh, USA Swimming's organizational response, have these named individuals uh, re- responded to the piece that you published? No, not, not no. So silence is their best defense at this point. You know, we tried repeatedly for months just to get USA Swimming to talk to us, and they wouldn't talk to us. Um, now, let me let me uh, switch the focus a little bit from the story to the the story behind the story. It does come as a surprise to a, a person who reads a lot of papers that this depth of investigative report would appear in the Orange County Register which has been like a lot of newspapers, like almost all newspapers uh, uh, outside of New York and Washington, uh, the subject of repeated cost-cutting efforts by its ownership. How did you, how did you manage to convince uh, the Orange County Register to give you the resources and the team to do this, and how long did this project take you? We were on this basically on and off for a couple of years, and to be honest with you, we, we had hoped to run it <laughs> last spring, and then Chuck Wagless died, and we felt like it was in bad taste to to run it at that time. Um, I've been really fortunate at the Orange County Register. The Orange County Register, uh, despite all our cuts, uh, has always been really committed to investigative journalism. I have an editor, the paper Todd Harmonson, who has just decided that this is, you know, what we're going to do, and uh, my sports editor, Tom Moore, and assistant sports editor by a guy named Chuck Scott, who kind of babysat this through most most of the time, they they were totally committed to this, and and um, you know I think when you're when you're cut and you have limited resources, you got to kind of pick and choose what you're going to do. And unfortunately, for uh, for us, the registers decide that we're gonna we're gonna do investigations. That's going to be kind of our calling card. We're going to have to sacrifice other things, but you know we're gonna we're gonna pursue these these kinds of stories. And I've been I mean I'm I'm really lucky because I know if I was at a lot of the papers in similar situations, you know. The editors would just laugh, you know. We're going to run a, you know, 300-inch story on swimming and give you the time to do it, and it's like, you know, no way. The the next question may be a, a little less comfortable, but uh, i got to ask it. Uh, this piece ran in February. As I say, that was the time when the story of Larry Nasser, the USA Gymnastics doctor, so-called, uh, was on live television uh, for the sentencing hearing and was getting all this press coverage, and Larry Nasser sort of became a, a, a household name for at least a couple of weeks. Um, what kind of pickup in other media has your story had? It's, it's gotten good, good pickup. Um, it, it, we we originally, I think, we're going to run it in March. Um, then, like I said, in January, this congressional committee started looking at uh, USA Swimming, and I got a little nervous, uh, I'll be honest, and... Uh, so we, we ran in the middle of the Olympic Games, um, which is not ideal. I, I guess it is isn't. It is and it isn't. Um, but it, it, it's been picked up by mainstream media. Um, it, it got, got quite a bit of uh, attention. And um, um, we, we 
we've done a lot of reporting on, on USA, sexual abuse in USA gymnastics going back to 2004, and, mm-hmm. and it did not always get picked up by, you know, I'd, I'd say, you know, the kind of the Beltway media, East Coast, uh, um, the, the main, mainstream, I guess, the, the, big, the, the big brand name. The media, big boys. Uh, but this, this one did. Mm. Right, right. So the drive-by media, as Rush would say. <laughs> so, what's the status of USA Swimming in the three months since the piece has come out? Have you heard from any parents saying it's still going on? Have you heard from any parents saying, uh, "Boy, they sure are on the straight and narrow now"? After after you've shown the the spotlight on them, have you heard from any parents? Unfortunately, we're still hearing from parents saying, "Will you please look at this coach? Will you please look at that coach?" Wow, and. Uh, you know, unfortunately, with a lot of this stuff, when you you, um, you start turning over rocks, a lot of a lot of crap comes out, and so um, it, it's it's not going away. It's it's not going to be solved overnight, and um, uh, you know, a lot of hiring PR firms and everything is not going to not not going to solve the problem. Reputation management, sir. Reputation management. Yeah, RM, not PR. Um, so now we have the spectacle of USA Gymnastics uh, uh, with at least one. Uh, do we believe, I mean, you said you've d- done a lot of work on USA Gymnastics. One could uh, possibly jump to the conclusion that Larry Nasser was an aberration in the world of USA Gymnastics. Would that be a correct uh, conclusion, do you think? No, I, I don't believe so at all. I mean, I know, I, I mean, we've reported on... Uh, Three high-profile coaches. Uh, I'll give you an example. The first American woman to win a world championship is a woman by the name of Marsha Frederick. She she told us back in January uh, that she was sexually uh, uh, abused by her coach, a guy by the name of Richard Carlson, um, when she was from ages 16 to 18. She recently, about two three years ago, she filed a complaint with USA Gymnastics. They they kind of drug their feet, drug their feet. They finally had a hearing 60 days ago. They still have not um, reached reached a, a decision on in this case. So she's been sitting around for sixty days, waiting waiting for a ruling, and and, and there is none. So slow walking it, uh, crawling maybe. <laughs> but my, I guess what I'm leading up to is these are two very high profile Olympic sports, uh, but almost all Olympic sports, per, except perhaps for triathlon, involve people under the age of 20 to a, a great extent. Um, are you starting to hear reports from parents of, of athletes in other Olympic sports? We, we, yes, we have. Um, and that's, you know, there's this big, that's kind of the part of the, the problem is this dynamic where you have these kids chasing this dream. They're really young. They've, you know, bought in totally to, the, this, to this chasing this dream. And these coaches will say, you know, if you train 40 hours a week, if you don't eat this, if you starve yourself, if you do this, do that, if you have sex with me, I'll get you to the Olympics. It's all kind of part of this scheme. And so you're seeing this across the board. And I, I, uh, I was on a conference call a couple of weeks ago with um, Larry Probst, the head of the USOC, and he was talking about uh, their Center for Safe Sport, and they're overwhelmed with complaints. They, they, they don't have enough uh, resources to deal with all the complaints they're getting about sexual abuse, and so and so, what are they doing about it? Well, they're they're trying to throw more money at it. Um, 
And when we'll see, I think these next six months can be really interesting to see if 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 they can, I don't know, they can't get a, a complete grip on it, but at least kind of get their fingers on it. Because like as you know, like as as we've talked about, this is a, something that's been going on for decades. You can't solve it in a few months. In other situations uh, where sexual abuse takes place, uh, we find that people are either in, intimidated either deliberately or situationally uh, out of reporting. Uh, that was the case with, with people in the motion picture business, the notorious case that we have seen in recent months. Um, aside from the fear of losing out on the on the dream that's being dangled in front of them, have there been any attempts, and, and aside from slow walking uh, the complaint process when it's, when it's filed, have there been any attempts that have come to your attention of actual uh, intimidation of people out of reporting? Yes. Go back to this Duesenberry case at Mission Viejo. So Duesenberry was a really talented young coach. He was fired by the club at one point, and there was basically a parent revolt because it was right before age group nationals, and the reaction of a lot of the parents were, well, you can't fire Adam Duesenberry. My kid's, you know, going swimming in nationals a couple of weeks. How, you know, who's going to coach him? Uh, so it was, it was, it was that kind of thing. About wasn't about they were worried about the case. They were worried about their child and and you know and the club's reputation moving forward. It wasn't about doing the right thing. And you see this, you see this a lot where these, these these women or young men who come forward, they're well, you're going to screw up, screw it up for everybody else. Hmm. Scott, uh, Scott, what are you working on now? Uh, more of this, more, more. Uh, we, We've been last few weeks. Uh, we've been working a lot on gymnastics. There's more swimming stuff to come. I, I, I had a story the other day about USA Gymnastics was dropped by all these major sponsors in in December and January. Uh, while this was going on, Nike was actually uh, approaching uh, USA Gymnastics about a a new sponsorship deal. And it's, to me, it's kind of interesting that you have these two this giant company and, and you have USA Swimming both in the midst of sexual misconduct scandals, you know, trying to, to put together a deal to, to, to move forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, one of the um, big meetings uh, between Nike and USA Gymnastics came on uh, the second day of the, um, the NASA hearing where Maggie Nichols' mother, Maggie Nichols was the first known victim of, of NASA to report to USA Gymnastics. And Kerry Perry, the new CEO of USA Gymnastics, was in the courtroom that day. And Maggie Nichols' mom turned and, and you know and, and scolded her, you know, just ripped her for for the lack of uh, action by USA Gymnastics. And, um, and you know, Carrie Perry was so upset by it. By the, you know, a couple of days later, she was on a conference call with Nike about you know moving forward. <laughs> wow. Um, what's the what's the website for the Orange County Register? www.ocregister.com. Okay, and and. Is there a paywall? You are. We've just installed a paywall. You have a certain number of. It's like the New York Times. We have a certain number of uh, stories, and then you, then you hit the hit the wall. Okay. The uh, orange curtain. <laughs> I certainly recommend that people uh, follow your reporting because you're you're doing major work, uh, and uh, it, it, as you suggest, it's only going to get bigger. Uh, because this has been going on for a long time. Scott Reed of the Orange County Register, congratulations on major uh, major work in, in the shrinking field of investigative journalism, and thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, Harry. Thank you very much. 
And now, ladies and gentlemen, the apologies of the week. We're so sorry. U.S. clothing retailer The Gap is the latest company to apologize to China for failing to reflect Beijing's territorial claims on a map shown on a T-shirt sold in North America, not in China. The offending T-shirt showed a map of China without including Taiwan. It also failed to show what China calls Southern Tibet, a huge swath of territory claims in the northeast Indian state of Arunachal Pradesh and failed to draw a line around China's territorial claims in the South China Sea. Gap Incorporated respects the sovereignty and territorial integrity of China. We've learned of a Gap brand t-shirt sold in some overseas markets mistakenly failed to reflect the correct map of China. We sincerely apologize for this unintentional error. As a responsible company, Gap Incorporated strictly follows Chinese rules and laws. Unquote. It's really all you need to know. John Crick Falusi, the creator of the Ren and Stimpy show, has written a lengthy uh, a statement on Facebook apologizing to two women whom he pursued sexually when they were underage girls, attributing his behavior to undisguised bipolar disorder and poor impulse control. In the 11-page note, he apologized to the women for causing pain in their lives while also praising their talents and sharing fond reminiscences of the good times with them. He also apologized to fans. One of the women responded to the post, rejecting his remarks as insufficient. We don't accept this non-apology, neither do any of the other girls. He doesn't bother to mention, and it's a big pile of manipulative crap, she wrote. She was uh, named, I believe, Robin Bird, not the one you're thinking of. Others called Crick Falusi's statement creepy. In the statement, Crick Falusi also described himself as one of the few producers left who's willing to break creative boundaries. If you can get a, a plug for yourself in your own apology, nothing wrong with you. Mundelein, Illinois trustee Dawn Abernathy has publicly apologized for negative comments she made about the village three weeks ago at the board meeting in April. She said installing new village gateway signs in Mundelein would be like, quote, putting lipstick on a pig. I love Mundelein, and as a board member, we've worked very hard to improve our village. She said she apologized to any resident and to my fellow board members. Mundelein. Did I say Mundelein? Former U.S. presidential candidate <laughs> Michelle Bachman, who in 2015 appeared to call for intensified efforts to convert Jews to Christianity, has apologized for her past, quote, ignorant, unquote, comments about the Jewish people. Speaking at an interfaith Bible study organized by a Likud lawmaker in Israel, Likud is the conservative party there. The former Minnesota congresswoman spoke generally and declined to acknowledge directly what comment she was apologizing for. Personally, I know that in ignorance myself, I've stated things that I should not have said, and I profoundly apologize and repent and ask forgiveness from Almighty God for my statements that, though said in ignorance, have brought pain, she said. Bachman asked forgiveness for the horrible and, yes, I would say the arrogant way that Christians, I would include myself among them, have treated and regarded the Jewish people throughout history, unquote. In 2015, she told a right-wing radio station that the intensification of violence in the region signaled the return of Jesus, necessitating mass conversions. Or at least look busy. Some parents are upset after a Monsignor in the Chicago area reportedly went on a tirade in front of elementary students about their commitment to Catholicism. The church is now apologizing. Monsignor George 
Saraskas of Incarnation Catholic Church in Palos Heights delivered the remarks during a Mass on Thursday, allegedly calling the students lousy Catholics. The remarks came at a contentious time for the church. The Archdiocese of Chicago plans to close the school at Incarnation, the school of, at Incarnation, at the end of uh, the school year amid attendance drops. They depend on the parents to get them to church and to get them to do events, and it's not the kids' fault at all, said one of the parishioners. The Archdiocese says it's committed to treating all students, parishioners, teachers, and staff in a manner consistent with our Catholic values. So other parents say it's something both kids and parents need to hear. I'm not trying to take sides here, says one parishioner, but my heart hurts for him. Church officials continue to look into complaints. There's no word on whether the Monsignor will face any disciplinary action. It's just words. It's not like... And Cardi B has chimed in to address the drama surrounding her recent collaboration with Rita Ora on a song called Girls. We never try to cause harm or had bad intentions with the song, said the rapper in a tweet. I personally myself had experiences with other women, with a lot of women, she wrote on Twitter, adding she thought the song was a good song, and I remember my experience. In another tweet, she apologized to the LGBTQ community for using words that she wasn't aware were offensive. The song is about uh, a woman kissing a woman. Imagine that. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And on a related but different subject... Love to mannequins in 
still But nothing beats some flesh and blood Nothing ever About time a man said that. Ladies and gentlemen, you know by now that spooky Gina Haspel has been confirmed as the new director of the CIA. She supervised uh, a torture site in, uh, I believe, Afghanistan or Thailand. And she uh, wrote the memo, the cable, authorizing the destruction of videotape evidence of CIA torture. Aside from that, Mrs. Lincoln, a great choice. But uh, made me think that it's time now... Now that we have three successive administrations uh, in the torture tip, one that uh, authorized torture, one that ignored the duty to prosecute torture, and one that rewards a torturer, it's time to take a look back musically at the show Torture Playlist. First, you got to know just how to do it. Well, it may not be legal, but it should Heck makes me safer And it may not yield useful intel At least that's what they say But it's a pleasure So Oh 
Of course, the excuse was that uh, there had been an opinion written by an attorney in the Justice Department that said it was cool, it was okay, didn't cause severe organ damage. That man, of course, was John Yoo. Who? administrations changed and then it was the turn of the man who succeeded President Bush to uh, take on the responsibility foisted on him by a, a certain law called the Convention Against Torture to investigate and if necessary prosecute those American citizens who may have been guilty of committing torture. Instead he just did this.
You gotta remember, we were really afraid. We'd ignored the warnings, and then we got played. There was panic in the White House, panic at state, panic at the Pentagon, people working really late. They were patriots. They cared and they fought. What the contractors sold, they bought. So we rendered some Arabs with the help of the blokes. And like it or not, we, we tortured some folks. We didn't think it was torture per se. That's what the White House counsel said back in the day. Enhanced interrogation is how it was known. So we slapped and waterboarded and froze to the bone. Sure, it violated our values and laws, but we were more scared than when we first saw Jaws. Some very good men did some very bad things. But who among us knows why the caged bird sings? So we tormented some Muslims, then went out for some smokes. It hurts to say it, but we, we tortured, tortured some folks. Now we could look backwards. We could game the blame. We could point fingers. We could wallow in shame. We could punish the guilty for each little flaw, as we're supposed to do under international law. We could say we're sorry, which we never do, because we're exceptional. And so are you. So let's leave it at this. Let's leave it unseen. Let's look to the future and wipe the slate clean. You don't want to pursue this. Neither do I. It would be like busting me now because I used to get high. So let's pretend we don't hear the screams and the croaks and just tell our grandkids we, we tortured some folks. No jokes.
Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time. If you listen at the same time on the audio device of your choice, that really is up to you. It's a, America is number one. And it would be just like America being number one if you'd agree to join with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Tip of the show. Chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Exile. And Hawaii desks. Thanks, as always, to Pam Halstead and to Jenny Lawson at WWNO in New Orleans. Thanks especially today to Steve Gregan. Or Gregan. Steve at Waterfront Sound in Manhattan Beach, California. And Billy Therio at Audio Works here in New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. Email address for this program. Your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts for that big Memorial Day party. And the playlist of the music heard here on. Almost forgot about the playlist. All at harryshearer.com. And me? Thank you for asking. I'm on the Twitter. At the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from the Crescent City.